1: Breathe in, breathe out. Get dressed, head out. Grab some friends, camp out. Get hiked up, vibe out. Take it in, let it all out. At REI Co-op, we're here for all the outs. And we want you to spend more time outside our doors and in them. Try it out, check out, think it out. REI Co-op, all out. Visit REI.com.
2: Is there a serial pusher in Manchester? Don't walk in the Tunnel of Doom. Is there a serial killer loose in Manchester? And if so, how has he been allowed to kill consistently for years and remain hidden? Shockingly, when checking figures, only the men found deceased on the canal are counted in the pusher's death toll. And they are only counted if they're found along a small stretch of the canal within the inner city. On the 11th of January 2015, British tabloid The Daily Star made the connection after using the Freedom of Information Act to check the number of deaths along the canal system. The Star's report revealed at that point, 61 bodies had been pulled from the waters of Manchester in the last six years alone. Now, the Manchester Ship Canal runs all the way to the coast and it has many tributaries, Yet the cases on those stretches are never counted or investigated. In 2020, Reynard Sinaga was convicted of a number of assaults on young men. He helped back to his flat where he would drug them, attack them and then film the ordeal. His apartment was on the canal itself. Yet he's not being linked to any of the pushy cases. Several days after his arrest, the Manchester Evening newspaper reported that there was no pusher and there will be no inquiry into the deaths of many of the missing males who go missing here every month in Manchester City Centre. There are thought to be around 90 deaths attributed to the Manchester pusher. No deaths before 15 years ago are counted and no missing are included in this number. 90 is the number of recovered victims. 90 males pulled from the waterway, yet the Greater Manchester Police, Manchester City Council and the media will tell you there's no-one responsible for these deaths. If the deaths were accidental, surely safety precautions put into place would have been done and the number would have reduced greatly by now? If these cases are due to bad lighting or just hazardous walkways, why hasn't this been rectified? The CCTV in the city is quite optimal, especially in the inner city where the shops are. But if you walk out of that area, the CCTV is minimal and the police presence honestly is a rarity. And why are there no mention of the female victims? So many of them go missing or are found dead on the canal. In one case, all that was found of one woman was a lower limb. And yet the case was closed and reported as having no suspicious circumstances before her other body parts were found. Other victims' whereabouts were lost when vital CCTV evidence was missing or unavailable Yet Manchester City Centre, as I said, have thousands of cameras in operation around the busy area. One man phoned his parents, who stayed on the phone with him, and contacted the police for almost one and a half hours. A 999 call operator stayed on the line and tried to help. Yet the next day, the police said, although the 999 system records all calls automatically, Unfortunately, for this one call out of the many thousands received that day, there's no record. The gentleman's phone was found many days later next to the canal in an area already searched by the police. Another body was pulled from the canal on the 3rd of the 2nd, 2016. And the newspaper stated, The body of a man has been pulled from the canal in Greater Manchester. An astonishing 85 bodies, mostly male, have been pulled from the region's waterways in the last seven years. The cause behind the majority of the deaths are believed to have been established as not suspicious, but 28 are still classified as unexplained, resulting in open verdicts. Emergency services and a specialist diving unit were called after a body was spotted in the Portland Basin at around 8.30am on the 3rd of February 2016, the man found is white and believed to be in his 40s or 50s. A GMP spokesman said it was too early to establish how the man had died or whether there are any suspicious circumstances at all. Some recent deaths occurred speculations that loved ones were victims of a serial killer that is being dubbed the pusher. He's a psychopath, they say, who murders his targets by bundling them into the waters. Some families believe their claim has considerable substance, not only because of the disproportionately high numbers of people to have died in the river, but due to the suspicious circumstances surrounding the deaths of several men. A man's body found in the water at Salford Keys, 3rd of June this year. Police are investigating after a man's body was found in the water at Salford Quays. Shortly before 1pm today, the body of a man was discovered in the water near the Salford Water Sports Centre. His body was covered from the water by Greater Grencher Manchester fire crews. These cases are a little like the smiley face killer in America. The pusher as a penchant for young men. Although as of yet, yeah, no handy signature or artwork has been left at the scene. The men are often out in town, enjoying a meet-up with their mates or spending their hard-earned wages from the week before. The men, some of which are boys, are often separated from their friends for one reason or another. Many of them have phones and wallets intact when they're found, which speaks of no robbery and the ability to get a cab home. So how do they vanish? And appear in and next to Manchester's notorious waterway? As we read through, you will realise that many of these men got into taxis and yet they were still found not very far from their original club that they left. One local resident called the canal the Devil's Urinal due to the number of crimes committed along its stretch and many hundreds of people it has killed in the history of its existence. My great-great-grandparents on my mother's side left Ireland to build the canal in the 1890s. Tinkers and navvies, they were called. Hard-working men who paid pennies to work in deadly conditions. The canal, which is really a river system, made it easier for goods to be transported between Manchester and the docks at Liverpool. It essentially made Manchester an inland port, and it changed the fortunes of many good and am bad. 130 men were killed during its construction and many perished later due to the harsh working conditions. The canal was bombed over and over during the war and the areas around it. It shaped the city of my birth. Gone are the original communities like Anki Park and Langwither. Over 200 years and the deaths continue. Many of the cases closed regardless of circumstances. Many petitions have been presented from families asking for an inquiry into the deaths. Now the next case we look at, I feel, should be high on the list of investigations to be reopened. The glaring incompetence of the police in this case was so bad, it almost smacks of a cover-up. It is at the very least gross negligence. Like most of the cases, there was very little investigation done. People even today have the, well, they were drunk attitude when it comes to these cases. Or even worse, they put themselves in danger by being where they were. Yet millions of people visit the city centres, nightclubs, bars, restaurants, cafes, shops, offices, businesses and make it home just fine. These cases are different and when you see them all together... You begin to realise there could be something to the rumours that a killer, or several killers, are at large in the Manchester area. Times that by every waterway, in every city, and the f- figures become staggering. Find out who killed our son. Davy Plunkett's chilling screams were heard by a 999 call handler, but were not taped because the recorder was not working, claimed Greater Manchester Police. The officer, who dealt with the distressing call, was so appalled by this blunder that she later resigned. The phone call from David 21, who came from Halifax, was the last anyone heard from him before he was found dead in the Manchester Ship Canal, three weeks later. He vanished after leaving a nightclub in April of 2004. His reason for being ejected? he pushed into a queue in the gents' toilets. This sadly changed the course of David's life and left his family and friends devastated. At his inquest, they heard his anguished parents rang him to check if he was OK after hearing he'd got split up from his friends. He started to scream and howl. They died 999 on another phone and held the two hands together so the police officer could hear his distress. It was the last time they spoke to their son. The pair called their son's phone the night he died, only to hear terrified screams. His mother Anne said, The screaming and howling was so unearthly that you just felt it had to be something. The message issued from former Greater Manchester Police, who handled the call, the woman operator said, I took a very distressing 999 call. She said David had been in a distressed state during the call with his parents but they could not hear anything other than their son screaming. The operator said, I've dealt with them for well over an hour trying to sort out assistance for them and him. The incident still haunts me to this day and with every death I see reported in the news i become more and more convinced that these are murders and not accidental deaths. A pathologist said the likely cause of death was drowning and the inquest ruled it was an accident. But David's mum and 66 disagrees and she hit out at the police's probe into her son's death. Someone is responsible for David's death. The police investigation, what little was the, of it there was, was unacceptable. It was a case of young man, too much drink, falls into the canal, end of story but so many important factors were ignored and there were versions of events that simply do not add up. David Plunkett had been at a concert at the Daytona racetrack, which is in Trafford Park. As I say, he went missing in April of 2004. The last time she spoke to her son, Anne said, I could barely make out what he was saying. He started screaming and howling. It was extremely distressing. I thought he was being attacked. We rang the police and put the phone to them, but it soon went dead. It later turned out the call wasn't recorded because the tape recorder wasn't working. It really does beg a belief, said Anne. Her brother found David's phone upstream from where his body was found, despite an earlier police search. She added, the whole case leaves more questions than answers. He could have been attacked. He could have had his drinks spiked. Anything could have happened. My own thought is, why didn't the police do forensic tests on that phone? If he was robbed and pushed into the canal and the attacker threw his phone further upstream, there could have been vital evidence on that phone. Anne said, in the early hours of the morning, our phone went off at home and it was David's friend, Michael. He said he'd lost David in the club and was trying to get in touch with him. Um... And I just said to close the phone and I'll ring David. It took about three attempts before he answered and he didn't speak. The first thing that struck me was the quietness of where David was. I thought I'd hear the noise of a nightclub, yet it was virtually silent. All I could hear was the sound of him walking, and that was evident from his breathing. I said to him, Do you know where you are? Are you still in Manchester? Do you recognise anything? But I got no response from him. And then, about seven or eight minutes into the call, there was suddenly this screaming. I started crying and I handed the phone to my husband, Mike, and I made a 999 call quickly. Mike said, the screaming I heard made me feel like David had seen something that had terrified him. Then, at 4.30am, the phone just went dead. It took the police two weeks to find his body in the canal. They claimed to have searched the area and nothing was found.
0: With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band.
2: Next up for lead guitar. You're in.
0: Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.
1: Hey, are you tired of the irritation you get down there? From pads and other bladder weakness products, new Tennis Sensitive Care Pads are the first bladder weakness pads enriched with our Skin Comfort Formula. 100% breathable material in combination with the skin-friendly layer is designed to be soft on intimate skin. And as always, with triple protection from leaks, odor, and moisture. Dermatologically approved by the Skin Health Alliance. Tennis Sensitive Care Pads with Skin Comfort Formula. Available online and in stores now.
2: Yet his uncle found his phone not too far from where his body was recovered after the supposed police search. What happened to David that night? The area of the nightclub is well lit. There are taxis outside and lots of numbers for taxis advertised in the fire. Walking towards a light if you're lost or split up makes far more sense than wandering out of the bustle towards the dark canal. There's no light in there. Why did David not contact his friend? Were there any missed calls or texts between them? Why was the phone not forensically tested? Why did the police not trace David's phone and his movements that night? Now, there is CCTV coverage in the area. And even though it was late, people would have been around. It's a popular area even at night. Was anything missing from David when he was finally recovered? Were there any signs of injury? Sadly, the case is now closed and there will be no further investigation or any inquiries made. Another newspaper report stated rumours of a possible serial attacker had been revived after a 34-year-old office worker was thrown into the city's canal and as he climbed out, he was kicked back in The victim, who said he almost drowned after his legs became entangled in his bike while he was below the surface of the canal, he said he asked police about the Manchester pusher legend and that they were well aware of the stories. I definitely feel like I'm lucky to be alive, he said. I could easily have drowned because of what he did. The pusher was described as a white male between 20 and 40. He's of average height, And he was wearing a black jacket. Tom says he's disappointed with the police response and said the canals were the perfect place for crime. He's pitched back down there, he said. There's no lights. You look up, someone catches your eye, and then in four seconds you're in the dirty water fighting for your life. Tom's right. It takes a split second to push someone into the murky waters of the canal. There's no walls or railings or anything to keep you from doing it, in most of the places. There are areas below the bridges and walkways where you don't walk at night or in the day for fear of your own safety. Many drug deals, robberies, hate crimes take place in these hidden spots. Out of the way from the busy shoppers and party goers, once you leave the bright lights of central Manchester, You're confronted with an almost Victorian street mentality but gin has been swapped for spice. Pickpockets, homeless folk, thieves and around every corner. Add to this the lack of officers to attend incidents and you have a perfect melting pot for committing crime and getting away with it. If you want to steal someone's phone, money, sense of security or life, do it in the back streets of Manchester and you won't have to pay a price. On the 8th of the 6th, 18, Orlando Nero was celebrating his 19th birthday in Manchester. Three days later, his body was pulled from the canal. He was not the first man, as we know, to be found in the canal, and he wasn't the first man to be found in that spot. Another victim had already died after a night out, and his body was discovered only three months earlier. Orlando was found in the same waterway as student Charlie Pope, who was also 19. Orlando and Charlie are among 90 people who have been recovered dead from Greater Manchester's canals since 2007. There are many more who were reported missing, never to be found. Now Nick Pope spoke out about his son Charlie's death, and he said the canal is a death trap. Um, that these, you know, there's no. Nothing to prevent you falling in. Three months later, Orlando was found in almost the same spot as Charlie. They drowned a few hundred metres apart on the same stretch of water. Orlando's brother Sam was with him that night and got split up from him. He said they'd been celebrating a birthday in the city and the police said it was just a tragic accident. Now, Manchester City Centre is a hotspot for tourists and partygoers alike. There's also a huge student population. Close to the centre as Manchester, has a number of colleges, universities and teaching hospitals. Thousands of people visit the city each day for pleasure or business and the evenings are no exception. Yet step two streets away from the bright lights and you'll find yourself in the seedy underbelly of the city. The central gardens in Piccadilly are a very good example of this. Many years ago, the gardens were a lovely place to be. I would often sit there and eat my lunch each day when I worked in the city centre, as did many of the office workers. But at night, it was a place that you avoided. Drug pushers and drunks abound, and one street away, you have the heart of the city's red light districts. Now, sadly, you have to avoid the back streets and Piccadilly Gardens, even in the daytime. The police are short-handed and understaffed, There is no help out there, other than yourself. People are killed, raped, attacked on an almost daily basis. Yet the City Council, the local newspaper and the media will deny there is a problem. Numerous times it had been stated there is no problem with crime in Manchester City Centre. Yet the men and women pulled from the canal would probably argue. According to the newspapers, they're there by choice are due to bad judgment of their own. the powers that be refuse to admit there's a problem with date-rape drugs, chem attacks or anything. Yet hundreds of cases are handled by Manchester Police every year. In the past year alone, two men are being arrested and jailed for this very crime. Police have charged a man over the death of a popular Northern Quarter chef. Here in Shoham, his body was found wrapped in plastic in woodland close to Beale Hill Park in Salford. It was found shortly before 10 a.m. on Tuesday, the 9th of July, 2019. Police descended on a small patch of woodland close to Beale Hill Park at around 10 uh, 10 minutes past 8, 8 a.m. The children were heading to school for a morning lesson at the nearby Beulah Hill Academy when the grisly discovery was made. Hereon was last seen making his way home from work in Manchester on the second of July. He was later seen exiting a tram at at around eleven thirty p.m. But tragically, he never made it to his room in a rented house he shares with other people. Neil Cookson, sixteenth of the tenth eighty-seven of Hall Road in Stalford, has been charged with administering a noxious substance. Supplying Class A and Class C controlled drugs, perverting the course of justice, and preventing a lawful burial. and He will appear at Manchester Crown Court on Thursday, December 19, 2019. Reynard Sinaga, evil predator, jailed for life for 159 attacks on men. Reynard Sinaga was found guilty of luring at least 49 men from outside Manchester Club to his flat where he drugged and assaulted them and filmed the attacks. Police say they have evidence Sinaga, who is 36, who is being named for the first time, targeted at least 190 victims. The Crown Prosecution Service said Sinaga was the most prolific offender in British legal history. The judge ruled his life sentence must include a minimum of 30 years in jail. The postgraduate student was already serving life with a minimum turn of 20 years for the offences he was convicted of in two earlier attacks which took place in the summer of 2018 and last spring. Detectives say they've been unable to identify a further 70 victims and are now appealing for anyone who believes they may have been abused by Sonaga to come forward. At the hearing... Judge Susan Goddard QC said Sanaga was an evil serial predator who had preyed upon young men who wanted nothing more than a good night out with her friends. She said, In my judgment, you are highly dangerous, cunning and deceitful. You will never be safe to be released. She said, adding that the decision to release prisoners is made by the parole board. Sinaga would wait for men leaving nightclubs and bars before leading them to his flat in Montana House, often with an offer of somewhere to have a drink or to call a taxi. He drugged his victims before assaulting them while they were unconscious. When the victims woke up, many of them had no memory of what had happened. The student, who denies the charges, had claimed all the activity was consensual and that each man had agreed to be filmed while pretending to be asleep. A defence the judge described as ludicrous. At an earlier sentencing, the judge said she was sure that Sonaga had used a form of date rape drug called GHB. The rapist was caught in June 2017 when one victim, who regained consciousness while being assaulted, fought Sonaga off and called the police. Assistant Chief Constable Mabs Hussain said the true extent of Sonaga's offending would probably never be been known. We suspect he's offended over a period of 10 years in Manchester. The information and evidence we are going from is largely from trophies that he's collected from when the victims of his crimes. Investigators trace dozens of victims from the videos using clues found in Sonaga's Manchester flat such as stolen phones, ID cards, and watches. Now, the flat mentioned in the article was situated ideally, Fincenaga. In fact, it was on Canal Street. Its balcony overlooked the canal. Was he responsible for any of the mystery deaths? It would be easier to quietly push somebody from your first floor level into the canal below, you know, or slip out the... Building with a rug or a suitcase or a limp man in your arms saying, you know, your friend's drunk. Do it in the dead of night and rid yourself of a problem. He was around at the same time as the Pusher victims, yet the police state there's no connection between Sonaga and any of the Pusher suspected victims. I would imagine out of 190 goes it he would have got it wrong a couple of times and he would have had to get rid of those bodies. It would have been easy for him to pick up lone males, offer his help, you know, come back to mine, phone a taxi, you know, make us a drink while you wait. He probably said it a hundred times. How many other Sinagas are out there unknown? How many have there been before him? Predicting males who use Manchester Centre as their dumping ground and their hunting ground, in all honesty. I grew up in Manchester in the 70s and 80s and 90s and I was a young lass when the Yorkshire Ripper case is starting to be reported. I remember another level of fear each time a new body was recovered. I remember curfews for women and men questioned by police because they had a Northern accent or they drove for a living. I remember the tape of Wayside Jack being played in school assemblies and on the TV at home. I remember our neighbour being murdered around that time. She was coming home from the pub. She was so badly disfigured and abused by her murderer, the police counted her as a ripper victim until her killer was caught. And I remember the snide remarks of, well, she put herself in that position. If she'd been at home seeing to her husband, this wouldn't have happened. I was so shocked by those comments. They still sit badly with me to this day. And yet, 40 years on, it's still a popular public opinion. I highly doubt the lady in question set out that night intending to be cruelly killed, disembowelled and left for dead on a strap of land within feet of her own front door. Back then, the ladies would work all week and on a Saturday, with the best frock on and the hair newly set in red hair, they'd go out to bingo or down to the local pub or club a few port and lemons and a natter with the friends. Pub shut at thirty back then, back home with a chippy supper and hopes of a lie in tomorrow morning, were probably the last actions and thoughts that she had. She was somebody's mum, sister, daughter and wife. She was an aunt and a niece and probably somebody's best friend. And because she joined her friends from the mill or the factory for a drink, she deserved what came her way. That's shocking. But what shocks me more is 40 years later, we utter the same words. If he was at home, this wouldn't have happened. Why put yourself in that position, had been said about every one of the missing and deceased men found in that canal. And they are someone's son, someone's father, brother, uncle, and nephew. They had mates they went to the gym with.
1: Breathe in, breathe out. Get dressed, head out. Grab some friends, camp out. Get hiked up, vibe out. Take it in, let it all out. At REI Co-op, we're here for all the outs. And we want you to spend more time outside our doors and in them. Try it out, check out,
0: think it out. REI Co-op, all out. Visit REI.com
1: Wendy's $3 breakfast deal is a bacon or sausage egg croissant plus small seasoned potatoes for 3 bucks. It's the breakfast that don't miss. So if you did miss Wendy's breakfast, don't imagine. Fresh cracked eggs, sizzling sausage, crispy bacon, and block out those hot, buttery, flaky croissants. Croissants don't really make a sound, but if they did... For a breakfast that don't miss,
0: Wendy's is that breakfast. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's $3 breakfast deal. Limited time only. A participating US Wendy's. Select a request. $3 breakfast deal to obtain discount. Not valid for a la carte combo orders.
2: Played footy with us kids. Ordinary working class lads letting their hair down and having a good time before it's back to work on Monday morning. We all did this and still do. In towns and cities across the UK. Getting spruced up, meeting your mates after working all week was the norm. I remember hundreds of times I rushed back home on a payday to get red hair and go out and meet my friends when I was young and single. I've attended eighteens, teams, twenty-firsts, 10 birthdays, all manner of dues in pubs and clubs. I made it home safe and sound each time. I'm one of the lucky ones. Reporters are really good at giving killers nicknames. The Stockwell Strangler, the Archer Ripper, Pettish Pete, the Cannibal and, of course, the moniker... The Pusher. I think the first case where the name The Pusher was used was the case of Suvik Pal. The headline screamed Manchester Student Canal Death a Mystery. Manchester Metropolitan University student Suvik Pal 19 drowned after visiting the Warehouse Project nightclub in Trafford on the 31st of December. An inquest heard Mr Pal had taken ecstasy on the night. His body was discovered three weeks later. Trafford coroner Joanne Kersley recorded an open verdict. Now, this is the same area that the chap who was charging at a doorman was found and disappeared in. Mr Pal was described as a very popular young man. His friend, Charlotte Wilson, said she was worried about Mr Pal going to the nightclub with her and other friends as he had never been clubbing before and he came from India. He got separated from his crowd and he lost him. The last confirmed sighting of him was on the club CCTV camera at about 11pm on the 31st of December. He was reported missing by a flatmate the following morning. A short time later, another camera recorded footage of two people going down an embankment to the canal and one, believed by the police to be suvick, appeared to try to climb over a fence to gain access to the water. But no witnesses have been found to confirm that it was Suvik trying to climb that fence. There's no progress on finding the identity of the second man, the hearing was told. Despite extensive police searches, it was three weeks before Suvik Pal's body was found 50 feet from the club he left next to the canal. A post-mortem examination showed he had no injuries and the cause of his death was given as drowning. The inquest heard it was still a mystery how and where he went into the water. Officers investigating the case believe the images show Suvant walking away from the club with a mystery man. The scene crossing the bridge over the canal before one tries to climb up a railing. The CCTV shows only one of the two men returning back towards the warehouse project. Suvik's father, Santel Pal, said, I appeal to this man and anyone who has any information about my son to come forward. The case is now closed. Suvik was another man, separated from his friends, who went into the canal. You will hear that repeated in many of the cases. Many of them have similar ages. They were doing the same things when they were out. Our next case is no exception. The tragic death of a Stone Roses fan remains a mystery. Chris Parner, 22, was found in the Manchester Ship Canal ten days after going missing and his parents have been told they will never know how he died. He became separated from his friends following the Roses concert at Heaton Park last June, sparking a massive manhunt across the region. At an inquest into Chris's death, the coroner, Joanne Kersley, again, admitted she simply couldn't say how he had ended up in the water several miles away. Addressing the youngster's mum, Jane, and Dad Stewart, she said, I'm sorry, I can't answer the one question you want me to answer. She op- recorded an open verdict because she said she didn't have the answers about how he died. The inquest heard that Chris, who lived with his parents on Westwood Avenue, Timperley, he came separated from his pals at the end of the concert because it was a busy night. When he failed to return home on Saturday, his family initially hoped he might have gone to stay with friends from Leeds University. They became alarmed on the Sunday when he still hadn't shown up and he wasn't wearing uh, when he wasn't answering his phone, sorry. The inquest heard a police search initially focused on the area around Heaton Park after a number of possible sightings. It was only after his body was found in the canal near Media City, several miles away, on July the 9th, that the force was able to piece together his final journey through the city centre from CCTV cameras. Chris was seen arriving by tram at Victoria Station, and going to receive a bag containing shoes that he'd left close to Shute Hill. Cameras then captured him making his way through the city centre, onto St Mary's Parsonage, down the side of century buildings and onto the riverside walkway. A witness whose flat overlooked the walkway, which had a four-foot railing, later told police he saw a man matching Chris's description sitting there the night he disappeared. Joanne Kersley said that that while Chris suffered briefly from mild anxiety in 2010, she believed he was happy and that he hadn't taken his own life. But there is no understanding of why he made that journey and how he came to be in the river. Another family said, "Did the Manchester Pusher get our owner?" Now, the family of a man found drowned in the Manchester Canal under mysterious circumstances believe he could be a victim of the serial killer known as the Pusher. Anthony Tony Scanlon, 48, was found dead in six inches of water at a lock on the city's canal on March 5th, 2007. Passers-by discovered the father of three, fully clothed, lying in the fetal position in six inches of water. Police believe the former probation officer and garage mechanic had simply fallen into the canal around midnight where he drowned. On his forehead was a small laceration and there was a bruise on the side of his head. He'd been found at the end of a narrow, shallow channel of water beside the lock. Coroner Nigel Meadows initially wrote to the family telling them extensive police inquiries have failed to reveal any suspicious circumstances or witness to the incident itself. But following an inquest in which his family expressed their concerns he recorded an open rather than an accidental verdict which means doubt remains as to how the death came about. His family say Tony was terrified of the dark and they believed he would never have taken that unlit shortcut to his home. Tony's sister Sharon Smith said I think he was either chased or pushed. I think he could well have been a victim of the pusher." I certainly wouldn't rule it out. My brother knew that canal like the back of his hand. He used to go fishing there all the time. But he was frightened of the dark and frightened of his own shadow, honestly. There's no way he would have taken that shortcut at that time of night on his own. As far as I'm concerned, somebody chased him or pushed him and no one will ever tell me any different. There was no money on him. He could have been mugged or robbed. Tony's son Dave, 35, a former soldier who served in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, with the 1st Battalion, questioned why no scrape marks were found on his father's body. As it appeared, the water had, the body seemed to have been pushed about 10 metres away from the obvious crossing point to where he was discovered. I think there must have been some argument or altercation, said Tony's son. And why was he in the fetal position? If he wasn't trying to protect himself. The family says they want the police to reinvestigate the case. Casper Blackburn died after falling into the canal. A other young man was found dead in a canal six days after he went missing following a night out with friends. Police have no definitive answer as to how Casper Blackburn, 22, ended up in the canal. An inquest into his death was told Casper went missing in the early hours of October the 1st, 2017, after leaving the slug and lettuce bar in sale with a friend. Casper, who worked at Carpet Ride in Macclesfield, was last sighted on CCTV leaving the venue at 3 minutes past 2am. His father, Robert, said the family contacted police the following Monday after he failed to arrive home or collect his car from a friend's house. Mr Blackburn said it would be unusual for him to walk home. His body was found in a stretch of the canal near the Slug and Lettuce pub on October the 7th. The inquest heard the body was spotted by a dog walker, then recovered by a police frogman. Pathologist Dr Michael Scott gave a cause of death as drowning. Detective Inspector Carl Gilbert said Casper's wallet, keys and mobile phone We're all found on his person. We're not able to give any definitive answers on how Casper came to be in the water. And we're not able to identify any third party involvement. Now there are some cases I feel should be added to the list of possible victims. The first case is one that stood out for me. I remember the case in real time. And I also remember thinking, oh no, when I heard the missing boy's age and where he was last seen I also remember the night he vanished and it wasn't extremely cold and where they found him was also a puzzle he was just metres from the canal but in a locked, gated area A father speaks of his desperate search for a teen who disappeared after a night out on the 29th of December, 2013 Adam Pickup, 17 from Stockport was last seen after leaving Bart in the early hours of the morning his family are devastated as they continue to search for him in the city centre. His father Chris said this is not like him at all and this is why we're worried. It is completely out of character. He'd been out with three friends on Friday night and they'd been to a few bars. They ended up at the Fab Cafe on Portland Street and at some point they became separated and we know we walked off. We know we were seen talking to a male and a female in their early 20s but at the moment, we don't know who they are. Yesterday morning, he hadn't come home and this wasn't particularly unusual, but he would always text us by the next morning and let us know where he was. Then we found out all his friends had got home and that they'd been separated. We got the police involved and they'd been looking at CCTV. Detectives said this afternoon that Adam was last seen on CCTV around 3.30am on December 28th, walking along Oxford Street towards the Whitworth Street area, and he appeared to be speaking to a man and a woman who were said to be white, both with dark hair and dark clothing. The man also appears to be wearing glasses and a blue scarf. Adam is described as white, six foot two, and slim with mousy brown hair. He was last seen wearing a maroon long sleeve collared shirt, black jeans, and a black leather night trainers with white soles. Update, 31st of the 1213. Police have found the body of missing teenager Adam Pickup. Officers searching for the teenager found the body near Deansgate train station at 3.30pm. Police earlier revealed CCTV footage of Adam just hours before he disappeared in the Manchester City Centre area. The teenager was found dead two days after going missing during a night out with friends. The police decided he had died of exposure, it's been claimed. Adam Pickup, 17, was wearing a...
1: Breathe in, breathe out. Get dressed, head out. Grab some friends, camp out. Get hiked up, vibe out. Take it in. Let it all out. At REI Co-op, we're here for all the outs and we want you to spend more time outside our doors and in them. Try it out, check out, think it out. REI Co-op, all out. Visit REI.com.
2: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. Oh, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shirt and jeans when his body was found under a railway arch near Manchester Deansgate Centre, close to the canal. The police now fear the student may have fallen asleep and succumbed to cold weather. Earlier detectives said they could not rule out foul play in Adam's disappearance, but it was being treated as a missing persons inquiry. They now say there are no suspicious circumstances. Another update happened a year later, on the 2nd of January 2014. Medical tests on Adam's body showed he had suffered from a fall from an unspecified height a GMP spokesman said. A post-mortem exam shows his injuries are consistent with a fall. A report on the case has been prepared and will be submitted to the coroner. The area Adam was found in is a problem. It is inaccessible to the public and away from the main walkways. It remains unclear how media studies and graphic design student Adam, whose father is a serving GMP detective, came to be in the fenced off secure canal side location which is believed to be the property of network rail. The archway location is sealed off by an eight foot gate. The disappearance of Jordan Radcliffe. Jordan Radcliffe disappeared from Manchester on the 31st of August 2008 and I remember this case well. He was 16 years old at the time at about quarters of five and Ratcliffe was dropped off by his aunt Kimberly Pierce outside the homeless hospital hostel on Tibb Street in the northern quarter Manchester City Centre now Miss Pierce instructed Ratcliffe to call her once he was settled although he never did this is the last confirmed sighting of Jordan young Mr Ratcliffe was due to visit the men's direct hostel in Longsight, which was a homeless shelter but he never arrived The police dragged the canal in 2017 after a tip-off and a GMP police spokeswoman said there is a search currently ongoing in connection with a missing person. The missing person is Jordan Ratcliffe and he was reported missing in 2008. In 2015, a £20,000 reward was offered for help in finding him and GMP also produced a computer-generated image of what Mr Ratcliffe may have looked like as a 23-year-old. Officers also launched a fresh appeal for information on Mr. Radcliffe's 25th birthday. He was believed to be carrying a backpack containing a packet of crisp and a £5 note. At the time of his disappearance, he was wearing black trainers, black night tracksuit, bottoms and grey and black jacket. Now, the stretch of the canal where he went missing is very close to Raynard's flat. And he was in Manchester in 2008. He would have fitted in easily with the city student population. Like most serial offenders, he appeared normal and friendly. There was no outward signs of his predatory nature. How often do you hear, Oh, he was such a friendly man. You'd not think he was capable of something so shocking. Your average serial killer or offender often does not stand out from the crowd. They're blending well with the general public. They need to, in order to gain the victim's trust. They're often erudite and well-mannered. Profiling's come a long way since the start of these mysterious deaths and the person we're looking for will blend in also. He'll be comfortable around the pubs and clubs. He seems a little fragile in build and harmless in character. Sadly, this could be any man among millions who visit the centre often. He could be a taxi driver or masquerading as one. That'd make it easy to pick up unsuspecting victims. Geographical profiling would tell us he lives or works in Manchester City Centre. He's well-versed and blends in with the underlit areas. He knows his way around the canal system and may even work along the canal itself. He may have ties to the canal from the past. What if he is one... Of the many thousands of river users who own and moor boats all along the river stretch, it would be easy enough to moor in central Manchester, take your victim as far as you like and dump them. Or does he moor his boat somewhere else and walk back along the canal banks at dusk? Another possibility we have to look at is that there are multiple killers at work. There could be a number of small clusters of related deaths lumped together into one case. Due to the sheer number of men pulled from the canal, mathematical statistics tell us the multiple killer option is viable and very likely. My thoughts are still pulled to a mystery man who walks the banks and waits for unsuspecting victims. Whether his victims come from Manchester, Manchester is usually the last city that they say. A family plea to find a West Bromwich man who is missing in Manchester. And the family of a oh start again, Deborah, sorry. The family of a West Midlands man who has not been seen since he went out in Manchester to celebrate the New Year. His parents are urging him to contact them. Gurdip Hayer, twenty from West Bromwich went to stay with friends in Fallowfield on New Year's Eve twenty eleven. He went out that night and went out again with his friends the following night to Sankey's in Manchester City Centre. He was last seen leaving the Radium Street Club on his own at 2.30am. His family are working with police to appeal to get him in touch. Mr. Hayer was last seen wearing a navy blue polo shirt, black or blue jeans trainers. He is Asian with medium build, about 5'11". He has spiky black hair with stubble and speaks with a Midland accent. Now there was an uptake date on the case and the 11th of January 2012 nine days after Mr Gurdie Payer went missing in Manchester the police have found his body Mr Hayer was last seen in the early hours of January the 2nd he was seen leaving the nightclub on his own and getting into a taxi about 2.30am the following morning. The UK police spoke to the taxi driver who picked up Mr Hayer from outside the nightclub the driver was identified through CCT footage. He told the police that a few minutes after boarding the taxi, Mr Hayer asked him if he could stop. He got out of the taxi and he was never seen again. Now his body was pulled from the river, so police say there are no suspicious circumstances in this death. And the twenty year old whose body was found near the city centre in the canal was had gone in by accident. According to the police, Mr Hayer had travelled to Manchester from West Bromwich and he went out with his friends and a tragic accident happened. Mr Hayer was seen leaving that nightclub on his own. He was split up from his friends. He got into a taxi and the driver had to stop after a few hundred yards and Mr Hayer then got out, paid his fare and that was the last time he was seen, the police said. A very similar case happened in 2010. Fears are growing for the safety of a man who disappeared after a Christmas party six days ago. Nathan Tomlinson, 21, left his friends in a bar and he's not been seen since. Nathan is white, five foot seven, slim, with fair hair, that is shaved around the sides and longer on the top. He has distinctive tattoos on the back of his neck and forearms and when he went missing... Nathan was last seen wearing a green jumper, dark jeans, a black jacket and black trainers. Unfortunately, the police took this case not seriously at all. In fact, Adrian Einstein, Miss Tomlinson's partner and a former police officer said, If I had to make a criticism of the force, it was the unexplored assumptions officers came out with. One said to his mum, don't worry, love. He's probably snuggled up with a nice young woman. It really hurts. Detective Chief Inspector Sarah Wildwork, who was later asked to review the case, apologised for this. The court heard the case should have been upgraded from low risk to high risk and that wasn't done for four days after Nathan disappeared, especially because it was out of character for him and he vanished in heavy snow. Now this last case is included as it fits the time period and the witness characteristics and our witness was last seen in Manchester City Centre after a night out. Human remains were found under the M6 and are identified as a man who vanished after a night out eight years ago. The remains were found under the motorway flyover. Police used dental records to identify the remains as Vinnie Derrick, who vanished on a night out with colleagues in Manchester City Centre in the early hours of August 30, 2003. They were found in an area beneath the flyover near a junction, said one of the GMP officers. Police said today they're still not sure how Mr Derrick died and whether the circumstances are suspicious. Detective Chief Inspector Sarah Allwork of Stockport CID, said, Vinnie's family have spent more than eight painful years wondering what happened to him. I am aware that they will have many more questions that need answering and we will work as quickly as we can to answer them. The married father of one from Sale in Greater Manchester was 28 when he disappeared. He left the Jarbez Clegg nightclub in Dover Street some time after midnight but failed to arrive at his boss's house in Hellgreen Stockport, where he was due to spend the night. He thought he was dropped off by a taxi driver at a roundabout near the John Lewis' store in Cheadle, about two miles from where the remains were unearthed. An inquest into the death of Vinnie Derrick said he may have jumped from the motorway bridge after misjudging the drop below. Was this the same taxi driver that picked up Gurdie Payer? I mean, I don't know. I suppose we'll never know. I like to think the police would have already checked that information out for the sales. In one year alone, from August 2010 to August 2011, there were 18 deaths on Manchester's waterways. Almost a third of the 59 recorded nationwide for the same time period Local workmen said the Rochdale Canal's lock 85 was the site of six body finds in the last 18 months alone Near the entrance to the lock three bouquets of dying flowers are propped in a tribute to the latest victim The lock has been dubbed the Tunnel of Doom and locals warn people not to use it I lived beside the air which is part of the canal system for many years as a child. We'd experienced floods and we'd often sit and watch as they pulled bodies from the water. It happened that often, people didn't really question it. In fact, all you would see was a odd line written in the Salford Reporter. Now, that newspaper was closed decades ago and we're still experiencing the same news block as today. The Manchester Evening Newspaper has run several articles denouncing the pusher theory. Yet when another male is pulled from the canal after being separated from his friends, the story is just a few lines long. If this is down to statistics and drink and drugs debauchery, why is it not the same in every city? There are so many cities with waterways and canal systems running through them where there's the odd death. Yet nothing to match the scale of the bodies pulled from the Manchester Ship Canal and the waterways that join it. These cases are just a sample of the deaths along the waterway. They stretch back to the Victorian era, and each year, toll is added too. No doubt, no pubs and clubs have reopened. Now that they've reopened, there may be a resurgence of men dying after being separated from their friends in Greater Manchester. And I hope that I am wrong. And we haven't even touched on the female cases. Sadly, as of today, there are no updates and all these cases remain closed. If you have any information about the cases, no matter how small, I mean, you could end years of misery for a family. Please contact Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111